This morning, we start our message with a reading from the prophet Isaiah. This is the lectionary text from the Old Testament today, Isaiah 25, 6 through 9. On this mountain, the Lord of heavenly forces will prepare for all peoples a rich feast, a feast of choice wines, of select foods rich in flavor, of choice wines well refined. He will swallow up on this mountain the veil that is veiling all peoples, the shroud enshrouding all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The Lord God will wipe tears from every face. He will remove his people's disgrace from off the whole earth, for the Lord has spoken. They will say on that day, look, this is our God for whom we have waited and he has saved us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's be glad and rejoice in his salvation. This is the word of God for the people of God. Let the church say, thanks be to God. A rich feast, death swallowed up forever, tears wiped dry. There is a lot of powerful imagery in just a few short verses from the prophet Isaiah. And it's a powerful word for us to read together as a community of faith on this All Saints Sunday. By the ninth century, all Catholic churches around the world recognized this day as All Saints and its corresponding feast. That means that this tradition has been a part of our Christian heritage for over a millennium. A day set aside to remember the saints of the church. Of course, since then, as Protestantism spread, the day became less about actual church-sanctioned saints and more about those who have gone before us in the faith. Those impactful leaders whose life has made such an imprint on who we are and how we practice our own faith. I can't help on this day but to think of the many people who have died who have had a great influence on my own faith and the person I am growing into. People from scripture like Deborah, Ruth, Esther, Mary, Phoebe, and Lydia, who showed me that women can be involved in the ministry of the church. People like Martin Luther and John Wesley, whose ancient words still influence me and the words I preach today. People like Martin Luther King Jr. and Rachel Held Evans. People who taught me that faith should not be a separate thing from the way I live my life day to day outside of these doors? Who are the people in your life who have influenced your faith? I first met Miss Lillian Martin at church when I was in the third grade. For years at church, I had heard how special it was to be in the combined third and fourth grade Sunday school class and to have Miss Martin as your teacher. She was a widow and she must have been in her early 70s if my math is correct. She was very petite 
She dressed in the highest heels I've ever seen in the fanciest dress every single Sunday. She had high hair, like she did, and a full face of makeup. And she knew how to take charge of a class of third and fourth graders. Every Sunday, somehow, she would compel us to gather around as we prayed, as we sang songs, which is a tough sell in third and fourth grade, let me tell you. And we would learn some Bible stories. Miss Martin knew each of our names, and she got to know each of our stories, too. Who our families were, what our home life was like. She'd tell us stories of her late husband. And every single Sunday, she would remind us how much Jesus loved each of us. Miss Martin's compassion didn't stop at the Sunday school doors, though. At the end of every school year, she would invite our entire Sunday school class to her home. A 70-ish year old woman would open her doors full of antiques and things you should never touch to a rowdy group of kids to celebrate the beginning of summer, like tension wasn't already high in our lives. Most of us had grandparents, and we knew plenty of older people at our church, but there was something different about Miss Martin. She wasn't related to us. She had no obligation to teach us every single week for years. She had no responsibility to open her actual home up to us, but she did. Miss Martin was just the first of many people who opened their doors to me at my home church. Miss Martin died in November of 2009, and every year around All Saints, even though the years have passed, I remember her. And I thank God for the time she spent getting to know me and sharing the love of Jesus with me, a child. As a pastor, I'm no stranger to talking about death. Part of my job is to be with families as they grieve and go through hard things. Giving funeral homilies and leading graveside services are all a part of the calling God has placed on my life. And still, every time, it stinks. Every time, that grief sneaks up on me, even when I don't know the person who has passed. When the prophet Isaiah, when he talks about tears being wiped and disgrace being erased, I think, wow, that sounds too good to be true. In Isaiah, there are moments where the prophet talks about this future that is yet to come. And time and time again, he also has to really deliver this difficult news. Difficult news and a future glory yet to come. Things that will be brighter even though the people are in the midst of pain and hurt. In the face of death and dying, that is often something we as Christians aim to do. 
We try to think about the good that is still to come. We cling to those legacies, like the legacy of Miss Martin, and the good that that person we've lost has done in the world. That's why it's important that our scripture reading today starts with this extravagant banquet, a feast of fancy wine, if you're into that, and rich food. It is in this setting that God will continue to be God to the people, that God will continue to love and care for and provide for the Israelites. It is a communal celebration that is to come, one that will unite all people and will offer relief to their mourning, an event that will lead to the people confidently refraining, this is our God. It's not a stretch to parallel this meal in Isaiah with the one Christ offered his disciples at their last meal together. A meal we'll remember together in just a few minutes. Although for Jesus and his disciples, it was probably a much simpler meal with less fancy wine, it was a meal where grace was offered where relief was offered in the form of grace. It was a table around which true transformation occurred. And the parallels between Jesus and this passage in Isaiah don't stop there. Isaiah even talks about this veil being torn, just like in the Gospels, where upon Jesus' death, the veil in the temple is torn, the promise that God will be in relationship with us, with God's people. There's something beautiful and startling in Isaiah's imagery. There's something beautiful and startling in Jesus telling his disciples that the bread and wine is his body and blood. It's startling for us to read about grace in such a way. And honestly, it's kind of what All Saints Sunday is about. We are here to acknowledge the death that has happened among us. We're here to acknowledge the ones who have gone before and the reality each of us have in meeting our own end. And every year on All Saints Sunday, we also take Holy Communion together because we celebrate All Saints Sunday the Sunday after Halloween, which is always the first Sunday of the month, which means we always take communion on All Saints Sunday. We partake in this real living sign of new life of transformation, of grace and hope. And that's really most of life, isn't it? The rebuilding of the hard and the soft, the bundling of the gruesome and the beautiful, the mix of the pain and the relief. As United Methodist, we believe that our lives here on earth are important that we are not just looking forward to a future glory. And still, we also believe that there is a oneness that comes after our lives here are over, 
a oneness with our creator who created us to live our lives well here on earth and in what comes next. This morning, as we remember the lives of the saints, of those many people who have influenced our own faith and who have gone before us, may we also make room for the impact they've had on the living, that their legacies may live on long after their death. As we imagine ourselves around God's glorious banquet, may we not live only in grief. Yes, there is room for grief. You will never hear me say, it's fine, get over it, you're okay, everyone goes through this. Pain is real, and we each experience it in our own unique ways. And still, may we find ways to celebrate. When the grief lets up, May we let a little bit of light, a little bit of joy into our hearts. May we recognize the beauty of life and how important every single one of us is to this world. You are important. You are beloved by your creator. Today, a day where we celebrate the lives of all of us who have gone before, a day where we gather to commune together as God's people. On this day, may we remember grace is offered to each of us and the belief we all have in our faith lives on long after we're gone. May we grieve and celebrate. May we feast, allow our tears to be wiped, and give thanks for those who have gone before us. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, your saints are one with you in the mystical body of Christ. Give us grace to follow them in all virtue and holiness until we come to those inexpressible joys which you have prepared for those who truly love you. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who is alive with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.